Welcome to Brand Growth Heroes, the podcast that explores how insurgent brands in consumer goods categories are driving transformational growth. Here our guests talk not only about their brand purpose or why, but also how where they play, who they employ, and how they work has driven their incredible success. How many of us eat chocolate or other cacao-based products such as cocoa powder or cocoa butter without realising, and this is deadly serious, that we could be unwittingly funding child labour and even child slavery in West Africa? Almost a year ago, we interviewed Ben Greensmith, the UK country manager of one of my all-time favourite brands, Tony's Chocolate Only, and we heard how this amazing company is trying to change the cocoa industry from the inside out and eradicate child labour and childhood slavery. A month or so ago, Ben shared a report on LinkedIn, which showed that child labour in West African cocoa farms had actually increased over the past 10 years, which just shocked me given the impression that Big Chocolate tries to give us in terms of the work they're doing to improve the situation. In this special catch-up episode, I ask Ben to bring us up to speed with what's going on, as well as share with us how Tony's Chocolate Only is doing in the UK market since its launch. Ben, it is great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for agreeing to come back on the show and let us know how you guys have been getting on the last year. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're so welcome. So we spoke, I think it was around July, August 2019, and you had just launched in the UK where you'd got into every single Sainsbury store and you were accounting for, I think, 35% of chocolate sales in Whole Foods in every week, which is pretty amazing. So what we'd love to know is what happened then? How did your business progress? It's a really strange time right now. You know, what do things look like right now for you guys? And most importantly, the bit I really want to catch up with you on is about a month ago, you posted on LinkedIn a link to a Reuters article that said the level of childhood labour is actually higher now than it was in 2010. So I'd love to do a little bit of a dive on that with you. Is that okay? Sounds great. Yeah. Okay. So over to you. Tell us, what have you guys been doing since (laughs) 2019 when we spoke last? Wow, I can't believe that's a year ago, and the last few months have definitely been um, a bit, bit more surreal. But the, it's 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 been really great. I think um, we the business has gone from strength to strength, which is which is fabulous. Um, we closed our first year at um, just in the UK. We did just shy of three million in net revenue, so probably about six million in retail sales. Wow, um, which was just great from really limited distribution. Well done. And our target this year, which which we're on slightly ahead of, we, we should do um, just over double that. So about seven million at net revenue, fourteen to fifteen at, at retail. So it's it's been going really well. The team's grown. Now I've got a team of eight, um, but we don't want to stop there. So we've got massive ambition over the next five years. That if we really want to have impact in chocolate, then we've 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 got to get scale. Yeah, because scale equals awareness and. And that way we can get the message out there that there's a different way to make delicious chocolate. But it's, um, it's, it's been going really well. Our distribution has expanded. We've expanded into Ireland as well. That's right. You were just telling us that at the end of our last episode, actually, I was going to ask you that. So where are you in, in Ireland? Where can we find you? Um, so we're in a, we've got about 200 stores now, um, all told. Uh, a mixture of everywhere from Brown Thomas, um, Fallon and Byrne. Uh, to um, about, uh, I think about 40 super values okay. as well. So, Great. So um, yeah, and uh, lots of independents. We've started at the top um, and we're expanding out from from the independents um, 
places that we can communicate our, our mission. Um, but yeah, we, we have big ambitions for Ireland as well. And are those 40 supermarkets on Planogram ones that you've been given or are they ones you've chosen? Not yet. You've, you've chosen them and picked them off one by one? Yeah. So build, building from, from store upwards. Well done. That's the right approach with Supervive. <laughs> Yeah, we don't want to stop there. So yeah. we got we got bigger plans and bigger ambitions. But it's um, it has been really good. We still account for um just over thirty five percent of all Whole Foods chocolate sales. That is amazing. <laughs> so it wasn't just an initial, you know, trialists going out there, people who have a high chocolate IQ or maybe a high ethics IQ, and going, "Wow, let's try this," and then afterwards not going back to it. You've sustained it. I mean, that is a real accolade to the taste, the product and the purpose behind the brand, isn't it? It's, it's great. And I mean, all of the retailers that support us have been amazing because look, the bar tastes amazing. It looks great. Um, but but someone like Whole Foods, there's just you go in and it's just it's just like a wall of chocolate, yeah. with lovely, bright colours. And, and, and it's just so impactful. Um, so in a way, the, the, the product sells itself, but but we can't do it without the support of our retailers. Sure. Um, but yeah, we've um, more recently, we've had some plans push. We had some plans to extend distribution in our biggest retailers um, and also some, some new distribution that's been pushed back, unfortunately, because of the current situation. But um, we get it. So which retailers are you in in the UK then? We covered Ireland. Where can we get you in the UK? So um, our first outlet was Selfridges uh, and then Whole Foods, um, loads of independents. We've got about 10, 12 wholesalers who are getting us out to the lovely independent stores. Um, and then I'm, I've got one guy, James, who's building it from the ground up in the UK Wow! with a big focus on, on universities as well. Okay, okay. So we're in a lot of universities through, through Bidfood. Um, and then we are, our biggest customers in the UK are Sainsbury's and Waitrose. We've got two bars in pretty much every single Sainsbury store. So over like 13, 1400 stocking points. Um, and we're on promotion at the moment. And, and the shippers, the displays look, at, look epic. So the team have done a fantastic job and the team at Sainsbury's as well. I saw your shipper on LinkedIn, uh, your marketing manager posted <laughs> her selfie with the shipper. It was lovely. Yeah, I know, complete with sunglasses. It did look yeah. good. Yeah. It looked really good. So um, yeah, it's it look, it's been going really well. Um, and, and the results we're getting, we know that we've got in Sainsbury's, for example, we've got three products in their top um, 30 uh, confectionery products from a unit rate of sale perspective. Jesus. And if you think we're at 75% premium. That is amazing. It's pretty, it's pretty epic. So we know people are coming back and they're coming mm. back again and again. So every period, our base just grows and grows and grows, which is, which is really nice to see. So it really proves the hypothesis that you put forward. And I think in our last episode where you were saying that, you know, people are willing to pay this much more for something when it reflects the values that you guys reflect. So that brings us on to it's been a really difficult time, very different time. How has it been going for you guys, for your team? And what is your business looking like during these very different times? So, um, yeah, no, it has definitely been a, a, a funny couple of months so we've um we were actually pretty early in, t- in terms of making sure that all of our teams across globally could work from home so i think probably two weeks before the uk started to shut down and probably aligned to, to you guys in ireland were a little bit ahead of us i think yeah uh, it's the same in amsterdam so um our priority is always just to make sure that our team are happy and safe and healthy so um everyone's been working from home uh for for about 10 weeks 10 11 weeks now and uh, it's just about trying to keep keep everyone engaged and connected with what's happening and um, make sure that they've got the support they need to, to work from home. Uh, so we were really fortunate. Actually, we had a Microsoft Teams installed maybe 
I don't know, three months before this happened. It, it's made things much, much easier. So I think there's, there's definitely some, some, some stuff in terms of we've got a weekly global catch up where we have 120 Tonys dialing in and we share a little update with what's happening in the UK and Germany and the USA. And uh, we'll probably keep some elements of, of that just to make sure that we stay a bit more connected, hopefully when things, things go back to normal. And then our priority has been to to just make sure that um, as far as possible, we can protect the farming uh, partners that we work with and the cooperatives in West Africa, um, for whom social distancing is much, much harder. So that's for us about supporting with education and um, more hand sanitizing posts and sourcing and supplying locally made soaps. Um, and, and, and we're saying spread the word, not the virus, just to make sure that as far as possible, we can limit the impact of the virus on on the, on the communities out there. But um, in terms of where and how the business is, is, is really healthy, um, you know, it's chocolate at the end of the day. So it's, uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's pretty unimportant. Um, and we know that. Uh, so we've gone quiet on communication. So uh, we're, we're, we're not actively communicating anything at the moment. We don't believe that now is the time for people to be confronted with the the harsh reality and the bitter truth of the of the cocoa industry okay so um we'll we'll pause on a lot of the communication um but where we what we are seeing is where people and how people are buying chocolate has maybe changed a little bit so there's been a shift online direct to consumer um uh yeah retail sales are up in grocery um and but but some of our smaller customers and our customers dealing with obviously coffee shops uh, are having a bit of a tougher time but but net net it's 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 pretty flat so how can retail sales be up in grocery when there's so few people in the stores or have been so few people in the stores i always imagined that the only categories that would be up would be those that were you know staples does that mean that chocolate is a staple i think it is i think it's <laughs> it's bloody miserable right at the moment yeah. <laughs> so and i mean and, and it's I think I think people, you know, chocolate cheers people up. And yeah. I think um, yeah. what I'm reading, along with alcohol as well, I think alcohol sells have gone through the roof. <laughs> I know. My best friend said to me when um, she's a fabulous coach and when all this started and I was bawling down the phone to her in like day three or something, she said to me, Fee, just look for the little moments of joy in every day. Just try and find the little moments of joy in every day. And I wrote it on the fridge just to kind of keep myself sane. But chocolate has been one of those little moments of joy for me every day. You know? Chocolate's a saviour. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose, you know, that has been a real consumer need, hasn't it? It has. And it's great. Um, and we want, you know, we want chocolate to be good for everyone, not just you and, and your mood, but everyone in the value chain. So let's get to the reason why I got in touch was about a month ago, you posted a link on LinkedIn and it was to a Reuters article that said the level of child labour in the cocoa industry is higher now than it was in 2010. And I was shocked because I thought that the big guys, because you'd explained to me before that you're just a small player and the big guys needed to make a change. And I thought there was real momentum behind it, you know, because they really talk the talk. And we spent a lot of our first episode talking about the fact that, well, I intimated that they, they talk the talk a lot. What is going on? I mean, have they not made serious changes what, what's happening? Why, why has nothing moved? Or why has it got worse even? No, it's, it's, a, it's a really great question. And I think it is really, it's really sobering when you read those reports um, that nearly 20 years on from the original Harkin-Engel protocol, 
we're, no progress have, has been made. And it is, I'm afraid, the root cause of all the issues of poverty. So no matter what any big company says about what they're doing um, and the price they're paying for the cocoa, price is the, we say price is the key fertilizer. And um, unfortunately, there is not enough pressure on those big chocolate companies. So Mondelez, mm-hmm. Mars, Nestle, Hershey. No, the, as long as they can continue to get away with paying a low price for their cocoa, they will continue to do so. Um, and so we need, you know, we, this is this this is why we exist because we one we want to raise awareness of the issue because I think the awareness and the global awareness of the issue of, of cocoa being associated with child and slave labour is still really really low. So. We have to get the word out there that, that 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 it is a problem, that it does exist, but that there is a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and our model for doing that is showing that there's a different way to make chocolate. We, I mean, we're growing this year. We'll turn over maybe a hundred hundred million euros. It's amazing. Um, but we still account for you know point one, point two, point three percent of the of the cocoa that's clo- globally traded. So we have to get pressure on these big chocolate companies to to clean up their acts and start taking responsibility. For any of your your listeners that, that remember the last one, I mean, sixty percent of the world's cocoa comes from two countries, Ghana and the Ivory Coast, and that's where you've got two point one million kids who are working uh, illegally because of poverty. Poverty is the root cause of all, of all the issues, and then you've got about thirty thousand who are sold and trafficked as slaves, which is nuts, right? Um, to think that this is chocolate and this is twenty twenty. Unfortunately. Um, what we've seen so over the last 20 years, um, uh, a lot of empty promises, basically. It's not uh, a lot of the chocolate companies have said that they will take action. Originally, back in 2001, it was within five years, then 10 years, then 15 years, then 20 years. And, and unfortunately, um, in, in our view, unless there is legislation things are never going to change because you're effectively asking company companies to self-legislate and it's just it's just not effective um so we're not seeing any of the big chocolate companies move fast enough uh and the dates keep getting pushed back where they'll 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 make changes so we've actually got a petition at the moment where we want to make it illegal for any companies to have slave labor or child labor in the value chain because we think that Self-legislation, self-accreditation just doesn't go far enough. And um, it's it's really time to put an end to it. And isn't there a kind of an audit of all of the big players? And well, I wouldn't know if you'd call it an audit or not, but where I saw an article where they had like, you know, green and red and, and orange, who's doing well in terms of improving their practices. And I think Nestle was doing better than they were the previous years. You guys were at the top of the rank, weren't you? Yeah, we were. And I mean, this for us, it's not about that. We, you know, we did, it's great to, to get that recognition, but the whole reason we, we exist is to change the industry mm-hmm. and companies are making improvements, but it's just not going fast enough. And there is a solution out there and that's the great news. We just need that solution to be implemented yeah. faster. And I think that will only come with continued pressure from consumers because if, if, if chocolate consumers and, and, and people know that their favourite brands are using knowingly avoiding taking responsibility and having child labor or slave labor in the value chain that we think actually those consumers are going to put pressure on those on those brands to 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 really change so that's we'll continue to do what we do um but we would just urge more people to 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 join in and, and and move with us 
because it needs to happen a lot faster. But it's a difficult balance for you guys, I'm sure, because, you know, you've got a particular position that you take in terms of your tone of voice and what you say and what you don't say, and you don't want to turn people off. But at the same time, it feels to me that like somebody has got to, even if it isn't you, to stand up and point fingers and shout and say no, you know, because I always think that the public, the mass market, don't take notice if it's all very nice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's not and it's not nice. It's shocking that you've got two million children who who are basically denied an education and exposed to dangerous work and carrying machetes because of poverty. And I think, you know, hopefully with a combination of more legislation um, and consumer pressure, because we focus our efforts on the chocolate consumer, because actually we think that if chocolate consumers know that their favorite chocolate companies and brands unknowingly have slave labor or child labor or failing to take responsibility for their part of the value chain, they will not be happy with that mm-hmm. and they will force those brands to take responsibility. What's really interesting is is in the States, so some, there, there, there's some of the uh, congressmen, a couple of congressmen in the States at the moment are trying to push and lobby um, to ban um, the import of cocoa from, from West Africa. Oh, wow. As a result, because those companies are knowingly uh, turning a blind eye to, to having that in the value chain. So there is pressure we want to make sure that the pressure is felt by everyone in the in in, in the chocolate industry mm-hmm. um, to equal measure. But for us, it really starts with those chocolate companies um, taking responsibility. And these are companies. You just go online. These are companies making twenty percent operating profit, twenty percent plus. So massively profitable businesses, and the money is just all going to the wrong place. So we know that profit's important and shareholder value is important, but it should be for every shareholder in the value chain, not just your your shareholders. It should be for all stakeholders. I wonder, is there something, you know, in terms of the way we get the whole of the public involved in this, is there something around the cognitive dissonance of loss aversion versus gain? You know, apparently that we're much more turned off by the idea of losing something versus gaining something that we never had anyway. Yeah, my centre is interesting. Yeah, and I think that's something that it became very obvious that, you know, we were going to lose something rather than gain something. You know, Greta's talking about all of the losses. There must be people in the world, experts in social movements and even people who have studied, I'm talking about, well, political movements and lobbying movements and even the independent, what was it called that I was talking to you about earlier before we started the show about the slave-free sugar movement in the 1700s. People, academics must have studied this and there must be certain, and maybe even social psychologists, there must be things that we can learn and tap into, you know, because what strikes me just is that, and this is over a year of having watched Tony's is, I learned about it, okay, and I eat a lot more Tony's now than I ever did. But I still will pick up out of convenience. I will pick up some Cadbury's chocolate buttons or some Nestle this or some craft that. And at the point when I really need it, uh, need the product and it's there, I won't necessarily even remember. OK, and it's probably because I'm not thinking about this serious loss to people's lives or, you know, people hungry or I'm not thinking about any loss to myself either. And I, I just wonder whether there's a slight twist in the message where you can play on the fact that we as humans are more motivated by our aversion to loss than our potential gaining something else. Yeah. I don't know. Something in it maybe somewhere. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, hopefully I can make it easier for you to, 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 to make the right choice, but that will come through physical availability yes. and, and growth. And then 
but I mean, ideally, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. You wouldn't have to make a choice at the fixture, right? You 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 shouldn't be thinking. No. Do I want good chocolate? Do I want chocolate that you know has a social conscience and is making sure that people in the value chain are getting a fair wage? Or do I want one that where there's a total lack of responsibility? You shouldn't. We in 2020. You sh- you shouldn't be having to make those decisions, right? Of course not. It doesn't feel right. No, it's it's absolutely mental. And and when you know I came across you guys in the beginning, I and like I said to you in the first episode, I'd worked in the food industry and a lot of chocolate brands over twenty years, and I'd never even heard that this was an issue, you know, from the companies I'd worked in, it was never mentioned, it was never, ever, ever brought up. None of the consumers who'd ever written to us had brought it up. So it was shocking to me that it was even a truth, you know. And now that I'm a year on and I I do buy Tony's, but it's kind of something that I buy and it's at home because I can't get it where I live all the time. I will try and choose, for example, I've got a co-op down the road and I will try and choose the co-op own label chocolate over big brand chocolate because it's fair trade. But what I'd understood from our first interview was that fair trade isn't always as great as slave free. They can't claim slave free. No, fair trade, fair trade is a great start because it's the reason we have fair trade on the back of our pack. Yeah. Because fair trade believe in empowerment of the farmers. So they mm-hmm. treat the farmers as equal. But really crucially, they also um, they pay a premium over the farm gate price. And that premium is 240 dollars per ton on about a thousand dollars per ton okay so that just means that the farmers are getting a fairer price for their cocoa um the money goes to the farmers they don't fair trade don't tell them what they have to what to do with the money they're treated as equals which is great what we then do is we pay a, to- a voluntary premium on top of the fair trade premium of about a further 350 dollars so more than more than double the fair trade premium again back and that goes direct to the co-ops we work with mm-hmm. because we work to enable the farmers we work with which is about 6000 this year to enable them to earn a living income which means that they can get their family out of poverty so you pay a fair price on top of on top of so it's kind of fair trade plus we would love to see more companies like co-op like Waitrose move to fair trade and have one standard industry accreditation because unfortunately what we've seen over the last five to ten years is companies start their own accreditation. So you have someone like Mondelez Coco Life, yeah. which effectively just means that there's less of a premium paid. Yeah. And then you have Nestle Coco Plan. And it's really confusing and it's not they're not going far enough because yeah. They're not paying enough for their cocoa and they're not taking enough responsibility. But then then there's fair trade and then there's you guys. And, and I think that was going to be my point is that I now don't necessarily know whether I'm, I know I'm making a better choice choosing fair trade, but I know that it's not the best choice I could make because I know there's you as well. So it does get complex for a consumer yeah. at the fixture, you know? Yeah, we've got to make it easier. I think, that, you know, fair trade, we have 100% um, traceable cocoa in our in, in, in our. Um, and our bars. And um, I think about seven years ago, eight years ago, when we were trying to develop this, we were told that you'll never get to 100% traceable cocoa in West Africa. And we've done it. And that's that's a key difference for us as well. So so most of the world's cocoa is, is traded as mass balance. So even say fair trade cocoa is mass balance. It means that the cocoa that you're buying is bought from a big pile and a big faceless pile. Um, and it, it means that on one side, on the other side of the value chain, the companies can hide from it and say, well, actually, I'm just, I'm not taking responsibility. It's not my cocoa, it's yeah. not my production. Um, it's the same, unfortunately, it's the same with, with fair trade. All it means that, you know, it's great. It means that someone somewhere has produced that amount of fair trade cocoa that's going into your bar. It doesn't necessarily mean that the bar, the cocoa in your bar 
is fair trade. Wow. It just means that someone somewhere has produced that. And that for us, if we're going to stick our name, Tony's Chocolate Only mm-hmm. on a bar isn't good enough. We want people to know that as far as possible, that cocoa has been made um, to the highest standards. And um, yeah, and that's really important for us. So it's not only about price, but it's about taking responsibility for the, for the cocoa in your bar as well. And the film that covers all of this, uh, what was the name of that fabulous film? that I saw last year. So there's, there's two actually. I don't know if, I think since we've spoken um, last, on Netflix, there's a really interesting program on food and it's called Rotten and it's yeah. now in its second um, series. And series two, episode five is, is all about cocoa and okay. cocoa sourcing. And I would say, watch it. It's really, really interesting and, and and what was really great to see because obviously this is totally unprompted it's it's an ind- it's independent mm-hmm. um there was um an in- independent documentary um towards the last five or ten minutes is when they're talking about part of the solution they go into detail about us and our sourcing principles which is really great um and there's also something called the chocolate case which was a, was a documentary made in 2000 and 16, I think, yeah. all about the story of Tony's. And that, I think, is now on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I highly recommend that to anyone listening. The Chocolate Case is absolutely amazing. It's mind-blowing. And I'm going to go and watch the one you were just talking about, the, Rotten. the Rottens. Is it episode five, series two, with my family because my daughter's now obsessed with understanding more about this because she's shocked. As a 10-year-old, she can't understand how this could be allowed. How adults, big people, she says, how do big people let this happen? She just doesn't get it. I know it's nuts, right? It says this is this is a country that you or I can jump on a plane, and in I don't know eight hours' time, you you, you can be there confronted by child labour. It's just nuts, and it's chocolate. It's just the most frivolent, luxurious product. So, how can we be more public about this rather than it just be you guys on on shelf with your packaging? Yeah, I, I look. It's it's a really great question, and I think. Um, it, for me, it is about awareness, uh, and so the quicker the word gets out there, I think. I think, still in the UK, we know that most people aren't aware that 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 that, that there is child labour and slavery associated yeah. with cocoa. They don't know where the cocoa is coming from. So we need to, we need to keep getting the message out there. And um, I hadn't, I hadn't actually heard of that. So that's yeah. Have a look at it because I think from a historical point of view, you know, I'm just showing to everyone who's listening a bowl. Um, it's a beautiful blue glass bowl, and it says East India sugar not made by slaves, and it's an 1820s sugar and it was available in public places. You know, if it was happening back then, a kind of a public movement and cafes and, and public houses were getting behind it, why not now, you know? Yeah. Is there something we can model? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And if Greta's listening and she wants to, yeah. <laughs> she wants to yeah. get stuck in, then uh, yeah. Yeah, tell, tell her to come and speak to me. Yeah. We do have some really exciting plans um, that I can't talk about, um, but you, 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 can, you, can, you can watch this space for... Um, okay for driving awareness over the next six to 12 months. So we've had to put on hold for a bit. Well, I've got a special request from my family. So my 10-year-old daughter was doing her theme this week. This last term has been all about technology. And one of the things she had to do last week was create a podcast, bizarrely enough. And she was listening to your episode as a model. And she just said, tell him I'm obsessed. Tell him I'm obsessed (laughs) with Tony's and what they're doing. Her request is, please could you invent a multi-pack bag of mini chocolate buttons made with Tony's chocolate. And her idea is that each chocolate button would be of unequal size or shape. Right, it's a great idea. We'll sign her up. How old is she? She's 10. 
Okay, we'd obviously pay her. <laughs> Don't involve no exploitation. So she said, she said, Mum, you can keep it at the top of the fridge where you keep all the goodies for you and, and you and her stepdad. But we really want to be able to eat Tony's every day. But we can't because we couldn't finish a whole, even the small bars and you wouldn't let us anyway. And I thought, yeah, do you know what? If I had a multi-pack of chocolate buttons, kid-sized chocolate buttons, I would be buying those for lunch boxes and treats. Absolutely. Well, watch, watch this space. We, we have... As I say, we've got big plans for for the UK. So there will be some, there will tell her there will be definitely some exciting MPD in there. Okay, good. um, That may or may not go some way to to keeping her happy. Thank you. Well, I will tell her. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming back and and updating us. I wish there was something we could all do. You know, I feel like there should be if, if everybody out there started getting really angry about this situation, maybe then it'll become a, a wider movement than just you guys. Yeah, well, I, I ge- genuinely think it will. I think, it, you know, in Holland, where we've been going for 15 years, the awareness of the issues within the cocoa industry is over 70% now. Yeah. In the UK, it's, you know, just starting. So it's a, it's the start of a movement, but if enough people get it and want to make a change, then we really can change the industry for the better. And, and hopefully in five years' time, slavery and child labour will be, a th- in cocoa, will be a thing of the past. Because uh, it really shouldn't be there in today's world, should it? No, it shouldn't be. And um, one tip for any mothers out there listening, or even any just anyone who has a gift cupboard, every time you buy Tony's and you buy a big batch of it, don't forget to always buy about three or four of the white chocolate with popping candy bars for kids' presents. Right, nice. it goes down an absolute like they love it because they've never seen a massive white chocolate bar with popping candy. So I always have a stash of them, and then anytime there's an unexpected birthday, it's like da da. <laughs> Good tip. That's a yeah. great tip. There you go. Along you with go. your along with your cards in the cupboard, just for along, all occasions. Exactly, exactly. And it's always like something you know special, different. It delights and surprises and all those kind of things, and it makes people feel like you've really gone out on a limb, which. Um, you haven't, but you know, not not now because they'll be listening. They'll, they'll be listening, but there's only there's only a few of us. There's only a few of us, so that's okay. So listen, wishing you the very best of luck with it all. I still believe that you guys could be the biggest chocolate brand in the world, and I want to believe that. And you're still my one of my favorite brands out there right now. I'm really passionate about what you're doing, about the product, about the format. I love the fact that all the squares are in unequal size to represent the problem that you're championing. And I can't wait to see where this goes over the next two, five, ten years. And thanks again for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me back. You're welcome.